everybody. It's good to be with you today. Uh, this morning we are getting close to the end of our uh, series on worship in the church. Uh, this morning we're going to be looking at the leaders of worship. So this is especially for those who are in uh, serving in the worship ministry in any capacity. Uh, if you're in the band or if you are in the sound media, this is primarily going to be directed to you and in in your role. But this is also for the rest of us who uh, benefit from those ministries. And it gives us a right framework, a biblical framework for how to think about the function of that ministry and how you benefit and you need them and uh, God's place for them uh, as a minister to you uh, Sunday after Sunday. So let me go to the Lord in prayer and we'll begin. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to understand, Lord, the role of worship leaders in the church. Uh, in some ways, it's a modern invention of the last handful of cent- uh, decades. But in other ways, uh, it's something that we see, we've seen for as long as your people have been a people. We have always been a worshiping and singing people. And so, Lord, I pray that you will help us to rightly divide your word, to apply it in our context, in our modern day, Lord, not compromising the truth. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would be exalted and that we would uh, worship you even more deeply and with more grateful hearts, Lord, uh, as a result of this. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so uh, Bob Coughlin, uh, I'm pulling from his book, Worship Matters, a really good book. Bob Coughlin, Worship Matters. Uh, if you're in the worship ministry, it, it, as, as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I know Nate agrees, this, this is like a must uh, at some point uh, in your ministry. You've got to read that book. He says, the term worship leader can be misunderstood. It can communicate that the only time we worship God is when a musician is leading us. Or it can communicate that worship is the same as singing. Or it can communicate that God commands us to have worship leaders. Uh, But none of those statements are true. And he goes on uh, for a large bulk of his uh, book, Worship Matters. He uh, prefaces uh, the book with this statement, and then each chapter he breaks down this statement phrase by phrase. Really helpful. But this is a loaded definition, and like I said, most of the book is spent unpacking this loaded statement. A faithful worship leader. This is on your notes as well. A faithful worship leader magnifies the greatness of God in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. By skillfully combining God's word with music, thereby motivating the gathered church to proclaim the gospel, to cherish God's presence, and to live for God's glory. That's the intent of those that serve you every week here on a Sunday, is to be faithful in their ministry uh, to motivate you as a gathered church to proclaim the gospel, cherish God's presence, and live for God's glory. And they do that by skillfully combining the 
truth of God's word with music. So, uh, what does that look like practically? Uh, well, the, the foundation of uh, leading in worship, the foundation of whether you're, you're in the band or you're Nate or you're in the booth in the back, uh, is uh, the leader's prerequisites. The leader's prerequisites. In this part, I want to answer these, some of these questions. What, what, is your, what is our philosophy regarding spiritual qualifications for those who serve in the worship ministry? Are there spiritual qualifications? Is there a bar, as it were? Um, would you allow an unbeliever to take part in your service as a musician on stage? Uh, there are many churches uh, that do just that. They hire professional musicians uh, to uh, just function as an instrument player, and uh, they, they, they pay them uh, exorbitant amounts of money, but they pay them uh, to, you know, to, to play their instrument and to, as it were, lead the congregation in worship. Is that right? Is that okay? Is there a space for that? I want to answer some of these questions here. Uh, so the first and foremost requirement of a worship leader uh, is that of a true faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So that last question we're answering right out the gate. The most important thing to be a worship leader and to be in the band is that you are a believer. You're a Christian. And this comes, of course, from John 4, 22 to 24, a familiar passage in this series where Jesus answers the woman at the well, uh, the Samaritan woman. He says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So that first phrase that Jesus gives, uh, we worship what we know. So there must be an experiential, a personal knowledge of the God that we worship. And that's what salvation is, isn't it? To come into a right relationship with the living God. You must worship what you know. And Jesus contrasts that right worship with their worship. They don't worship what they know. They worship what they do not know. And, and Jesus elaborates on that reality where he says, where he, he defines true worshipers. So if, there is a, if you have a worship leader, then that, he has to be a worshiper, right? If he is leading worship, he must be worshiping. He can't, if he is not worshiping, if he himself is not worshiping, then how can he lead others in something he's not doing, Right? He fails in the very task that's given him. 
So the true worshiper uh, is the one who worships the Father in spirit and in truth. So if you remember back to when we you know, unpack this, this uh, passage, this verse, uh, worshiping in spirit and truth. Worship is to ascribe to God and to uh, 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 assign to Him, as it were, um, the worthiness of His person and His work. It is to laud Him for who He is and what He has done. And, and to worship Him, to give Him that credit, uh, you are to do it in spirit and truth. Spirit meaning in your inner man, your spirit. Your spirit, your inner man, your heart and your mind. All of you. Uh, all, is that, all that is within you is to be engaged in ascribing worship to God. And not only that, but uh, your mind as well must be involved. And your mind must not only just be engaged, but it must be engaged with truth. And so if you have a wrong understanding of God, of the gospel, meaning if you're an unbeliever, then you cannot engage in worship, true worship. Uh, if you are an unbeliever and you attempt to sing songs and to, get, to be engaged in quote-unquote worship, what we call the singing of praises, uh, God does not accept that. He does not receive your quote-unquote worship, your singing. Because you are not worshiping in spirit, your heart has not been changed. It's a dead heart. It's a heart of stone. And so your spirit is not engaged and your mind is darkened, the word says. And so you cannot worship in truth. So a darkened mind and a dead heart cannot worship God, let alone lead others in the worship of God. Well, how do we know this? How do we know that somebody is a believer? Because, well, I mean, you go to a church and, you know, you, you might have somebody who wants to be involved in the worship ministry. I've had people come up to me and say, hey, uh, this is my first Sunday here and, and, and uh, I'd like to play in the band. <laughs> I've actually had people come up to me and ask me that. And I said, well, I start to go to these passages and, 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 and to quote these, these principles of, well, tell me about your, your testimony. Tell me about your life. Are you a member of a church? Are you uh, striving to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? So uh, what I'm saying here is uh, you must be a worshiper and, and being a true worshiper, being a, a, being a born-again believer, right? Because every believer, every true believer is a worshiper. And to be a worship leader uh, is to be a true worshiper. You must be a true worshiper in order to be a worship leader. Now, how do you know that you're really a Christian? Well, your faith and love for the Savior will manifest itself in a striving by God's grace to live a life of obedience to the Word. Uh, John 14, 23 and 24. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. 
He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So people say, I, I love the Lord. People seeing, I love the Lord, right? And Jesus says, well, you got to prove it. And the way that you prove your love is not by singing the right songs or singing well. It is by obeying his word. That's the idea of keeping my word. The idea is not just to make sure that you have a Bible on hand, right? It's not just keeping his word handy. It's not just keeping his word as, as if you have, make sure you have a Bible at home. Or uh, mem- memorize scripture, keep my word in your brain, store it up there. Uh, the, the idea that it comes from the Old Testament of keeping uh, the word of God, it's the idea of guarding the word of God. That is uh, guarding it from transgression. And to guard his, the commands of Christ from transgression. And of course, that's from your own transgression, right? To guard the commands of Christ uh, from your own transgressing. Transgression, remember, is uh, the idea of uh, trespass, right? You, you see a sign on uh, a fence or on the front of uh, a, a lawn or something, no trespassing. Uh, once you pass that line, you are transgressing, you are trespassing. It's the same idea with the Word of God. God says, here's the standard. No trespassing. Don't go beyond this. If I say don't do this, or if I say to do this, don't go beyond that. Don't, don't cross over and jump the fence, as it were, into sin. No trespassing. No transgressing. That's the idea of keeping his commands. Guarding the precious word of God from your own offense, from your own trespass and transgression. This will be shown in the true believer. So anyone involved, especially on the stage, must give evidence of obedience to the word of God. That's a prerequisite. And it's going to show on the positive side, right? We looked at the negative side here. You're, you're growing in your holiness. You're not sinning. You, at least you're trying to put to death the sin in your life. But on the positive side, you're giving evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 to 26. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And notice, now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk in step with the Spirit. Let us not become those with vain glory, challenging one another, envying one another. So he says, look, you make a profession of faith, but it's vain. It, it, it don't make, make sure that it's not vain. And uh, the way that you make sure that you, the profession of faith is not vain is by manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. There must be fruit of the Spirit if someone is to be involved in the worship ministry.
especially if they are to lead the congregation in worship. Not only this, but uh, ministry members should be able to demonstrate a history of faithfulness in serving in another ministry, attested by their ministry leaders. So uh, the philosophy is that we guard the stage, right? That nobody is up front before the church until they are first tested and tried, before they're first proven faithful in another ministry. This, is not the, this ought not to be the first ministry that somebody is involved in. Especially uh, the gathering of the Sunday congregation. Uh, this was, for example, my own experience where, you know, uh, I, I played guitar growing up and I played in the band, but uh, I had to be faithful and fold the chairs and fold the tables and, and, and help in our youth ministry at my old church growing up. I had to show myself faithful to my discipler who led the worship ministry in, the youth, in, in our youth group. Uh, he, 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 he was in charge of that youth, uh, youth group worship ministry. And he says, well, you got to first show yourself faithful, show yourself a servant. And then we'll talk about you coming up here and leading others in worship. Because by you being up here, you're saying, uh, I am a worshiper and I am a good example for you to follow in the worship of the one true God. There ought to be that expectation. So the heart of this, the heart of this is a worship leader should first and foremost be a worshiper of God himself, not merely a gifted musician or performer. That is not enough. Just being able to carry a tune or play an instrument is not enough to be in the band. Or just be, being a technically savvy or anything else is not enough. To be in our sound or our worship ministry, that's not enough. You must be a worshiper of God yourself. And again, worship begins with a life, right? It's, it begins with a life that is committed to following the Lord, honoring Him, delighting in Him, and glorifying our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, some, some verses to, to drive this is uh, Psalm 37, 4. It says, delight yourself in Yahweh. He will give you the desires of your heart. Th this delight, this must be there. Right? This is a command. We as, all of us as believers ought to and must, are commanded even, to delight ourselves in God. And the worship leader is one who is out front of the congregation in, the, in his delight of Yahweh. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, O taste and see that Yahweh is good. How blessed is a man who takes refuge in him. The worship leader is one who has tasted and seen that God is good. This is true, and you can, you can see it in their life. Maybe it comes out when they're playing their instrument or singing uh, for, in, in front of the congregation. That delight, that satisfaction in God comes through. 
Psalm 84, verse 2 says, My soul has longed and even fainted for the courts of Yahweh. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. See, there is a priority of the gathering of the saints, right? The priority of, of coming to the courts of Yahweh. There, there, is, there is a longing and a fainting. There's an anticipation throughout the week of I can't wait for Sunday when I get to gather with the saints. I long for it. I faint for it. And if I miss a Sunday, oh, my, my soul begins to languish. And then when he does enter the course of God, when he does uh, uh, gather with the saints, then his heart and his flesh sings for joy. Amen. You see. Now, we know that we are a walking and living temple of the living God, that he is with us wherever we go. But nonetheless, when the church gathers, there is a special uh, presence of the living God. There is a visitation of Christ who walks among the lampstands, Revelation says. And we worship him with one voice together. Um, one more. Second Peter 3.18 But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. The worship leader is one who is growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think we understand what it means to grow in the knowledge, right, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We, we, the, the, it means to, to learn more information about Christ, about God. <laughs> To expose ourselves to sound teaching and preaching and to the reading of the Word of God, to the study of the Word of God, meditation on the Word of God, and the books and videos and sermons, explaining and expositing the truth of the Word of God. That is how you grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's also, of course, that experiential where it's not just data that you're accumulating. There's, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's impacting your relationship and your experience of Christ. And that's involved in the knowledge as well. But to grow in the, in the grace, that's sometimes ambiguous. To grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace is the sovereign uh, activity of our God that comes from a heart of benevolence, comes from a heart of love. So, so grace is God, out of his love, uh, as it were, invading your life or being active in your life. That's the grace. That's what, it, that's what grace is. So what does it mean to grow in that? Well, grow in... Uh, show that uh, God's... That God is more and more uh, active and involved in your life. That means holiness and love and joy, and the fruit of the Spirit. That's all grace, right? It's all God out of His love involving Himself in your life, doing something in, in you. See to it that that is happening more and more and more. 
as time goes on. Again, the quote from Bob Coughlin, a faithful worship leader magnifies the greatness of God in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit by skillfully combining God's word with music, thereby motivating the gathered church to proclaim the gospel, cherish God's presence, and live for God's glory. So the worship leader is somebody who is doing those things, right? Um, it, he, he is someone who is already magnifying the greatness of God. He is already... Uh, uh, has a grasp of the word of God and music, of course, but uh, he, is, he is already proclaiming the gospel, cherishing God's presence, living for God's glory. Those realities that he is trying to stir up in the, in the hearts and minds and lives of God's people, that's already evident in some measure in that person already. Uh, one question that we have to answer as far as a prerequisite for being a leader in worship ministry, one question that we have to answer is, can a woman lead worship in the worship service? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> a, a couple verses before we answer that. First Timothy 2, 9-12, Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, with modesty, and self-restraint, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly clothing, but rather by means of good works, as is proper to women for professing godliness. And a woman must learn in quietness, in all submission. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man but to remain quiet. So two times he uses that word, quietness or quiet. 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. The women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but are to subject themselves, just as the law also says. But if they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. So, what does this mean? If we take these two passages together, along with other passages that allude to this truth, women are not to exercise authority over men. And there is a proper role for women in the gathered church. They are not to second-guess or challenge or uh, derail or, uh, or, or uh, disturb the leadership of the men in the local gathering in any way. Does that mean you know, a woman can't talk on a Sunday once you enter through these doors? You can't say anything, and then, but you can talk once you get in the car. That's not what it means, of course. It's talking about in the gathering of, of the church. Uh, is it, a woman is not to be disruptive or to take over uh, or manipulate the direction of uh, the worship service. Because the expectation is the male leaders of the church have set a direction and a course for each Sunday gathering. Women are not to usurp that. 
the context, in, especially in 1 Corinthians, is that, that that is what exactly what was happening. And so Paul has to speak against that. Uh, let me quote uh, our own worship leader. I asked him about this, and I don't think he knows I'm quoting him. But <laughs> he says it very well, succinctly. Since leading worship falls under the ministry of the word. Remember how we talked about that before? It's all about truth. And when we sing, we preach. And we're putting words into the mouths of the congregations. It's a word ministry. He goes on. Since leading worship falls under the ministry of the word. I don't think that it is biblical. I, I, I believe leading a song is different than that. So there's a difference between leading the worship time versus vocally, you know, being the main vocal um, uh, part in a composition. He says that that, that is different. Uh, it's a completely different thing to assist while singing versus leading the service. Right. And now for children or women, sure. Uh, in children's ministries, uh, women can 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 you know lead that time. Or or in a woman's ministry, you don't have to you know import a, a guy to lead the worship time. Uh, women can do that amongst women and amongst children, uh, and it should be young children. At that, just like the preaching of the word, uh, women are not to be doing that, to be leading the singing of praises, which is a word based ministry uh, in the context of a local congregation or mixed men and women. All right. That's our stance as a church. That comes from our belief. I mean, you can Refer back to our even the sermon last Sunday on uh, the role of wives in the home and, and their submission, and then even today the role of men to lead both in the home and in in the church. This is God's design. It's not that women can't do it; it's, it's just that they ought not to do it, and because they are not to lead men uh, in any form. All right. So one prerequisite, the last prerequisite, again, is must be. A man must be male. Okay, number two. Well, before I go on, any questions or thoughts about prerequisites for uh, leading uh, in worship? Yes, Don. Yeah, I kind of, I, I think I did. Not explicitly. Thanks, Don, for, for your help with that. Uh, the question is, you know, going back to one of the questions I asked earlier, uh, let me answer it explicitly. Would you allow an unbeliever to take part in your service as a musician on stage? Uh, because the prerequisite, the first prerequisite is to be a worshiper himself. You cannot worship what you do not know. And you cannot worship with a dead heart and a darkened mind. So the answer is no. Yes, in the back. You mentioned some examples in the lives of 
life and not want to leave. Right. And I see sometimes that people are pinched because of that, but they have no desire. Uh, yeah, so the question is the desire to lead in the worship ministry itself? Or any other. Or any other leadership role. Yeah, of course, there must be a desire to, to serve in that capacity. Uh, yeah, uh, for example, qualifications of an elder, right? Uh, there has to be an aspiration towards that office, a desire. Uh, and that aspiration towards the office of elder, for example, is not, well, I, I want to be uh, a leader. I'm an A-type personality. Uh, the aspiration there is to the function and the office of an elder, which is to be the servant of the church, right? And to care for the souls of the church. That's the aspiration. So uh, it, it is not uh, a twisted, self-glorifying, self-promoting kind of aspiration for a leadership position. Uh, it is rather a burden uh, for uh, that ministry in and of itself. And... Um, yeah, if there's no burden for that ministry, whether it's shepherding or uh, serving as a deacon or um, uh, in any leader in any ministry, if there's no desire there, then 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 don't do it. You know, uh, especially don't lead uh, because people are, need to look to you for a a vigor in your in that ministry. And if you don't, if your heart's not in it, you're not going to be a good example. Yeah, so that's a good question. Does, does there need to be a desire? Absolutely. Absolutely. Any other questions or thoughts? All right. Number two. Number two. The leader's purpose. Okay, so we looked at the prerequisites. What, is, what were the qualifications, you could say, of, of being a worship leader? Why do we have them, right? Why do we have a worship leader? Again, Bob Coughlin, he tells us, and I think this is helpful to kind of just say right out front, humanly speaking, humanly speaking, the pastor is the worship leader. And I would, I would maybe change that to the elders, right? Because it's not just the one guy. The elders, maybe the, the lead elder, the lead pastor, is the worship leader, are the worship leaders. He is the one responsible before God for the corporate worship of the church. That includes what songs are sung, what is preached, and what activities we engage in Sunday after Sunday. So humanly speaking, you know, if we really want to boil it down, the, 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 the worship leader is the pastor, is the elders. Um, and... That's because the elders are to uh, oversee the church. And the most important thing that is overseen is the Sunday event. Right? If we were to just strip everything down, what must we do as a church? We must gather on Sunday. All of the other things, are, they're good and they're important and they're necessary, but if we couldn't do anything else, uh, if we want to be an actual church, we have to have the Sunday gathering. If we couldn't do anything else, we must do this, the Sunday gathering. This is the bare, that, that's the bare bones of what it means to be a church. Uh, 
Hebrews 13, 7, he gets a couple verses. Uh, Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who, those who will give an account, so that they will do this with joy and not with groaning, for this would be unprofitable for you. So there's an obedience to the leaders of the church and a submission to them. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13 says, But we ask of you, brothers, that you know those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and that you regard them very highly in love because of their work and live in peace with one another. So there's an obvious leadership role of the pastor, of the elders in the local congregation. So if anybody is leading the church in, in this idea of worship, not even just the singing of worship, but uh, in being worshipful or being a worshiper, it is the elder and, and, and the pastor. Nonetheless, though, um, the Bible, again, remember, calls us as a church, uh, calls for the singing of psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, Ephesians 5, 19. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, uh, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. That's a command, that's an expectation, it's an outworking of being filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Word of God. Uh, There is a clear model for that in the New Testament. Jesus sung with his disciples. Um, And uh, not only this, but the the Scriptures uh, give us the model and the expectation of there's a leadership, there is a, you could say, band, or there, is a, uh, there are people that are facilitating this verse. And uh, we, we see verses like First Chronicles 15, 16. And David said to the chiefs of the Levites to appoint their relatives, the singers, with instruments of music, harps, lyres, uh, loud-sounding cymbals to raise a sound of gladness. So the priests... Of, and, the, and the line of, of the Levites, the, the, the priests of the people of God, were given this task to facilitate the singing of praises in, in the context of the people of God. Uh, and then not, not only this, but uh, uh, there, there is an expectation of instrumentation. In Psalm 150 is a great example. Praise Yah, or when it says praise Yah, if you have the LSB, Yah is just short for Yahweh. Uh, it doesn't mean something else. It's just uh, it's, it's a poetic shortening of the name of God. So praise Yahweh, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty expanse, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to the abundance of his greatness. And then here we go. Praise him with trumpet blast, praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. And then the last verse, let everything that has breath praise Yah. Praise Yah. So there is um, this expectation, this normalization of uh, a select or uh, assigned uh, ministry within the people of God to to instrumentation and leading or facilitating the singing of praises for the gathered people of God. Uh, and and there's, there's a clear use of choirs and masters of song to teach and to lead in praise. Again, First Chronicles 15 verse 27 says, Now David was clothed with the white robe, 
excuse me, with a robe of fine linen, with all the Levites who were carrying the ark, as well as the singers, and Chenaniah, the leader of the singing with the singers. David also wore a linen ephod. So Chenaniah was the leader of the singing. So you have a worship leader, that, that function, that, that uh, uh, template, as it were, uh, even in the Old Testament scriptures. Second Chronicles 23, 13 says that all the people of the land were glad and they blew trumpets, the singers with their musical instruments leading the praise. So there is this idea of uh, instrumentalists and uh, singers, multiple singers, maybe what we would call some sort of a choir um, and, and a band with their musical instruments, a collection of, of people leading the praise. That's where we get this biblical idea of worship leaders. They are praising, but they're facilitating leading the praise of the congregation. Uh, they are making it possible for the congregation to sing in unison, to sing the same thing. All right, that's the idea. So it, it, it's the function of the worship leader along with the band and even the sound ministry, the, sound, the media team. Uh, it is their whole function. They all work together uh, to assist the congregation to seek the face of God and to worship Him. Uh, the worship ministry and those involved in the worship ministry from the front to the back, um, is leading in this verse. Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with gratefulness in your hearts to God. So it's a function of the worship leader and the rest of the whole team all working together and so those involved in the worship ministry are leading in this. Well, specifically what? Well, they're leading in, in letting the word of Christ fill them. And then the parallel passage in Ephesians 5, being filled with the Holy Spirit. So being word and spirit filled. They're leading in being word and spirit filled. They're also leading uh, in teaching truth, right? This is, this is what we're doing, part of what we're doing when we sing praises. They're leading in teaching truth. That is, they're picking the right songs with the right lyrics, with, with truth in them, without compromise. Uh, they're, they're, they're leading in admonishing others towards godliness, and even admonishing themselves towards godliness. There's that growth that we talked about earlier. And that holiness. They are uh, leading uh, in worshiping God. Which is really what this whole uh, verse is all about. They're, they're leading in a life of worship towards God. They're also leading in singing of praises. Right? In, in a Godward direction. So those that are involved are, are not just pressing buttons and they should not be so preoccupied with just playing the right notes or, or the, the, the right beat or anything else. They should be in, engaged themselves in singing and worshiping in a Godward direction. Also, they are to be uh, leading 
uh, in their gratefulness, right? The gratefulness in, of the heart. They should be leading in a grateful heart attitude. And that comes from them first being filled with the word of Christ. If you're preaching the gospel to yourself, longing for Sunday, reading the word, anticipating uh, Sunday when you get to gather and worship together with a gathered church, and you're letting the word of Christ richly dwell within you uh, Monday through Saturday, and the spirit is, is having his way within you, and uh, and as a result, your heart is filled with gratitude towards God. You can't but worship Him. The worship leaders, they are the ones out front modeling for the rest of the congregation a pouring out of the heart before God in worship and praise. Modeling for the congregation a seeking and finding satisfaction in the fullness of God in Christ. And, and, as, and because of that, there must be a deep commitment on the part of those who lead in song and lead in the worship ministry in any capacity. There must be a deep commitment to communion with God. Uh, we, get, uh, we get this the idea from Psalm 34, 5. And they looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be humiliated. That first phrase, when you look towards God, right? Just as Moses was before uh, the, in the presence of God, before the glory of God, when he descended from that mountain, his face was radiant. And they're pulling from that picture, right? They're pulling from that picture of Moses on the mountain. And when he came down, he had to veil his face because it was shown with the glory of God. If you're involved in the worship ministry, this, you should be striving for this. That you are looking to God throughout the week. And that when you come here on a Sunday, your face, as it were, is radiant with his glory. That it just emanates from you that you've been in the presence of God You've been worshiping, and you're not just putting on a face here. You're not just doing a performance. You are actually worshiping God, and, uh, you've, been, and you've been doing that all week. That should be the uh, aspiration of those involved in the worship ministry. Again, Bob Coughlin, he, he summarizes it again. I'm gonna, I want to read this again. A faithful worship leader magnifies the greatness of God in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit by skillfully combining God's word with music, thereby motivating the gathered church to proclaim the gospel, to cherish God's presence, and to live for God's glory. So lastly, the leader's preparation. Now this is really specific to uh, those involved in worship ministry. This is kind of applying now all that we've looked at so far. The worship leader is first and foremost a worshiper of God, not merely a gifted musician. Therefore, worship begins with a life that is committed to following, honoring, and glorifying our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you desire to lead God's people in corporate worship, you must strive for spiritual fruit in your life and growth in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
1 Timothy 4.12 is a good principle to apply here. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but show yourself as a model to those who believe in word, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Certainly this was written specifically uh, to Timothy, a young pastor. Uh, but uh, the principle of showing yourself as a model, being an example to the congregation, can be applicable to those who lead in worship. Uh, you must strive to be a model to those who believe. Model in word, conduct, love, faith, and purity. God desires and even demands our best sacrifices of worship to Him. Uh, Numbers 18.29 says, Out of all your gifts you shall raise up every contribution offering Contribution offering due to Yahweh from all the best of them, the sacred part of them. So when God commands his people to give a sacrifice uh, or give an offering to him in any form, whether it's financial, whether it's with your heart, your mind, your efforts, whether it's as you serve in your given ministry, he requires you to give your best whenever you serve, wherever you serve. Specifically here in the worship uh, ministry, uh, you are to uh, offer to God your best. That is, when you serve, you are to serve well, serve excellently. So if you're not really good at tech stuff, but you're on the sound or media team, get better, right? Right? Watch videos, get training. Uh, if you are playing an instrument or leading vocally, practice uh, or, uh, and uh, push yourself to improve in your skill and your craft. And that's, and that's you know, a good application for the rest of us. Whatever you do, uh, that's, I, I, I read preaching books constantly. I'm listening to podcasts on how to preach better because... That's my service to God. It's part of my service to God. I want to get better at it. I'm not assuming that I'm some great preacher. I need to, I need to improve. And it needs to be the same for you. Wherever you serve, get better at how you serve. Give God your best and make that best better. Uh, so... He, not only are you to grow in your godliness, but grow in your craft, grow in your skill. Uh, because you, you need to uh, serve the Lord, serve the congregation excellently. Um, um, also, ministry members should strive for excellence in musical and technical preparation and delivery. So Psalm 33.3, sing to him a new song, and then it says, play skillfully with a loud shout. So there's a command even in Scripture. Um, when, when God calls that band and calls those that are leading worship, he says, well, you got to do it skillfully. Do it well. So you have to practice. You have to try. You have to improve uh, your ability to serve in your capacity. 
And again, that, that principle transfers to any ministry that any of us might be involved in. And the principle from 1 Timothy 4.15 also is applied here. Take pains with these things. Again, Paul talking to Timothy as a young pastor and his calling to shepherd, to preach the word. But, but the principle applies uh, across any ministry. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. So the idea is wherever you serve, whatever you do, give it your all. Uh, and, and, and whatever ministry you're involved in, you, you know, push yourself, stretch yourself to get better. Take pains with those things that you're involved in. Be absorbed in them. Don't just pick it up on a Sunday and then put it down. Or pick it up, you know, pick up your task whenever it's time to serve, whenever it's your rotation, then put it down. Don't think about it. No. Be absorbed in the work. If you're teaching a class for the little ones, be absorbed in that, right? Uh, don't just do the bare minimum. And, and, and if you're playing an instrument, be absorbed in that. Don't just, you know, learn a, a song, you know, last second and think that you can wing it. There, that's, that's not fitting for the congregation. That's not fitting for the Lord. And he says, the, the expectation is that your progress will be evident to all, you see. That people will be able to look in, in your ministry, in your life, in your conduct. That just goes for godliness and the function of your ministry. You, you, your progress, there should be some growth. There should be some improvement. Now, there may be times where it's really slow. But, 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 but still, you're working hard behind it. Right? It may not show yet, but, but, but that doesn't mean you give up or you back off in your efforts. It doesn't mean that you stop taking pains and being absorbed in those responsibilities and, and those ministries you're involved in. You, you, you press on. So, I hope that that's helpful. A faithful worship leader magnifies the greatness of God in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit by skillfully combining God's word with music, thereby motivating the gathered church to proclaim the gospel, to cherish God's presence, and to live for God's glory. So I hope that you, have, you can uh, insert verses and, and, and thoughts and principles even into this phrase, uh, and that that would help you, uh, whether you're involved in the worship ministry or you are just receiving the ministry of those that are leading and involved in the worship ministry, that you would be able to worship the Lord uh, better and that you would be able to maximize uh, our times together as a gathered church as we sing praises to God. Next week, we're going to be looking at the object of worship. So I wanted to end this series on just worshiping itself and, and a motivation to, to worship the Lord whenever we gather as a church. And uh, it should be a wonderful time as we hear from our worship leader, Nate. He'll be teaching our class next week. should be really good. He's, uh, this ministry is near and dear to his heart, as you know. And so I look forward to hearing from him and his encouragement to us to fix our eyes on the object of worship, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.
I ask you, Lord, that uh, you would help us to rightly think about what we do every Sunday. I, I ask you, Lord, that you would help us to worship you in spirit and in truth as a gathered church. Lord, that uh, these lessons wouldn't just be knowledge, but that they would translate to hearts filled with worship and um, lips that are filled with praises to you. Lord, I, I do thank you for those involved in our uh, worship ministry from the front stage and the band and Nate uh, overseeing it all. And I thank you for those that are involved in the sound and the media team and their tireless efforts and their faithful ministry. Lord, every week there's somebody um, uh, involved and, and working and serving. Lord, I, I pray that you would encourage their hearts that they're, what they do is so important and vital to the gathered church, and we benefit so greatly, though almost imperceptibly, uh, from them. And I, and I pray, Lord, for their growth, that they would continue to grow in, their, in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and their, uh, their spiritual maturity would increase all the more as, as uh, each day, week, month, and year passes. I pray, Lord, for their skills, that they would strive to excel in, in excellence. And I pray, Lord, that we as a church would uh, encourage them, uh, even by our own singing, that we would be engaged and uh, worshipful uh, in the singing of praises as a gathered church on Sundays. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Yes, Amen. All right, you're dismissed.